Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People, an intentionally inclusive hub of sex-positive resources. I want to thank Waxo for continuing to support this podcast and everything that we're doing with SPFPP.org. And while Pride Month is over, the campaign for We Need a Button is still going on. And if you haven't heard by now, We Need a Button is an awareness campaign that calls for patient matching sites to indicate which doctors are queer, trans, and non-binary friendly. It should be easier to know which doctors are safe to go to. Phase one of the campaign asks people to share their health care or health care stories. And if you check out Waxo, W-A-X-O-H dot com, you can read a whole bunch of people's stories and see why it's so important that we have a button. The latest article gives the perspective of Michael, who's a simulated patient who's given a scenario to enact with doctors in training, and he's been doing that for over 18 years now. And in this article, Michael talks about a scene he does often where he complains about penile discharge, and he has a wedding ring, but never says he has a husband or a wife, and doctors usually assume that he's a straight guy. So again, just visit Waxo, W-A-X-O-H dot com, and you can check out more of these stories. I'm pumped about this episode release, and you can hear it in my voice throughout the podcast episode. And there's been a lot of requests for uh, more male presence, more masculine presence to be on the podcast. Primarily, we have cis white women who identify as queer. That's been the majority of our guests. There's a space here that just doesn't have the masculine and what i found is that the episodes that we've had men on the podcast all of these have been our more popular episodes so there's at least curiosity in the masculine perspective of what it's like to have an hsv diagnosis so if uh we can get more men on here to come and share their stories that'd be awesome what john and i talk about here we talk about mainly What I got out of it is that there's this common denominator with men and their diagnosis that we look at it differently. Many, if not all, of the women I've spoken to needed some sort of emotional support, whereas the men are looking for more like practical information, numbers, statistics in order to get them to a place where they're like, okay, I get it. And now let's move on. So that's probably one thing that I want to dig a little bit deeper into by getting more of the masculine perspective on here to see, you know, what what's accurate, what's happening out here in the community, because we really just aren't hearing from men. When I hear from men who reach out to me directly, that's typically what it is. Like they ask me, you know, how do I do this? Or how how do you disclose? What are some facts? Give me some statistics. And then, bam, that's it. Like, it's on to the next. Whereas women identifying people who reach out, they're more concerned with a lot of the emotional stuff that comes after. Like, how do I get support? What's dating going to look like? A lot of the stuff that you can't quantify, that's what the women I've been in contact with mostly have been looking for. And then the men have just been looking for the quantitative stuff. So there's a very interesting... um, dynamic here and you'll hear in John's story here how that plays out from his perspective and how getting the facts and talking to professionals and educating himself has helped him through his diagnosis so I hope you enjoy this podcast episode I want to hear about your diagnosis so walk me through when you were diagnosed you're diagnosed with genital HSV1 talk to me about when you found out 
I woke up one morning to my first outbreak, and once that happened, I basically spent like a, a week just trying to self-diagnose, buying everything, every cream I could, every, you know, just trying to figure it all out. So a week goes by, and then I go to a testing clinic, and they do like a full panel, and then after they do the full panel, I get the results back that it's genital HSV1. So that's pretty much how I found out, I mean. That's pretty much the, you know, yeah. in a nutshell. What was your relationship status at the time? Were you single or were you in a relationship and between partners or what? I was single at the time. I mean, I was sexually active, but I was single. Do you know who might have exposed you to it? Yeah, I absolutely know. Oh, and have you confronted that person? Uh, I, I attempted to, uh-huh. but they were, they were resistant. I don't know to this day who gave me genital herpes um i have genital hsv2 i think i'm okay with it now i wasn't okay with it before because i just felt like i needed to be able to point the blame at someone do you kind of feel like you're at peace knowing who gave it to you yeah i'm at peace with that i was actually talking to one of my friends he has hsv2 and he and we were talking some we were talking about this and he was saying that he agreed to be with that person knowing that they had hsv2 Versus in other cases where people didn't agree, so they it, they it feels kind of like an act of you just didn't tell me, you didn't disclose, and and then and then we you know this happened. That's not something I hear often, and I really believe that we don't hear those kinds of stories because the relationships end up working. I think that a lot of the people who disclose to a partner and the partner's accepting of it. Like, those relationships have a little more meaning, a little more connectedness. Um, it's not just a matter of, I accept you for having herpes. It's more of like, I accept you and you have herpes. And when people are able to come together in this way, their relationships are lasting because of that. Like, because of the interconnectedness on what they want out of life. You saying that made me think about that. Um, is your friend still with that person? Yeah, he is. Yeah, so that might be it. I think that there's a connection there, and that's something that if you're listening and you have a discordant partner or you've disclosed to someone who eventually um, tested positive, then I would really love to hear from you. I'd like to, if you're uncomfortable about being on the podcast publicly, then we can keep you anonymous. But I think that that's an experience that we have not checked back in on, at least with past podcast guests. So thanks for sharing that, John. All right, so you get your diagnosis, you're trying to self-diagnose yourself for a week, you finally go to the doctor, and they tell you it's genital HSV-1, so your response is what? I was definitely angry, you know, definitely angry, definitely just just pissed off. Who were you mad at? Just at myself, that person, I mean, I, I had only dated him for like a couple months, Yeah. so I, it was more at myself. It was just kind of like a fling that lasted over, it was a fling over the course of a couple of months. Mm-hmm. So. That sucks because you weren't given a choice and judging from that person's response, this was deception. Like they knew they had it and they just didn't care to give you that choice. And oftentimes a lot of people don't understand the long-term effects that, not disclosing to one person can have because you could have that one interaction with someone and expose them to herpes. They may never have an occurrence or an outbreak. Um, And then 
that may go to be passed on to somebody else, to somebody else, to somebody else. And then that person's the one that has an outbreak. And we're in a situation where that whole chain of people, there's just that one person who knows they have herpes and you never know how that person is going to respond to it. This is why it's important to disclose and all the conversations that we have. Clearly, we're pro disclosure here. And I understand that there's a gray area to some people, but you have to be aware of the long term consequences of your decision prior to making it. People are going to do what they want to do, but please always disclose. Just do it. Now, you were angry. A lot of people experience anger as a first response. How did you deal with it? That's the issue is that I I didn't deal with it. I just kind of let it linger. And I just, you know, I, I try to rationalize the emotions I was having, but I, I always ended up just, well, I don't need to talk about it. I don't need to talk about it. I don't need to talk about it. You know, and besides, a lot of people, especially at that time, it was 2014 when I, when I was diagnosed, um, there weren't many people you could go to to talk about it anyway. You know, doctors, they, you know, they don't know. Not only, only like specialized doctors could talk to you about, you know, the virus and all that stuff. But for the most part, there's like a general doctor doesn't want to talk about it. You know, they may not be very experienced talking about it. You know, you go to the pharmacist, they may not have enough information there. There weren't that many resources. They were limited. So a few years started passing by and little by little people started opening up about their diagnosis. You know, you start having people become a resource and stuff like that. And after a while, there's people you can speak to. And then the support groups start to grow. And then little by little things start coming along and you just you start meeting other people and discovering other places. And I don't think there's an ideal way to deal with it. At the time, it just wasn't much. So I just waited it out. And then eventually I met people. And then so far, it's just been evolving. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that, too, because uh, over time, I think that that's been one of the more useful things is to be able to talk to other people who understand what it is that you're going through, who understand what it's like to have herpes, like being open about it myself. I find myself having very open and vulnerable conversations with people and I'm a complete stranger. It's astonishing to me the level of trust there is with a complete stranger who... uh, is a public figure. Damn it, I hate that I had to say that, but that's the only thing I could think of that made any, that that was relevant here. But to connect with a public figure who you just have this one thing in common with is just a herpes diagnosis and be able to spill your complete life story to them. Whereas there are best friends, your support system, partners, people close to us outside of this that we never want to know this. And it's always just been really shocking to me. Like, I'm I'm always going to keep people's identity anonymous. And I welcome the vulnerability because I think that saying it once is what brings your awareness to how it looks. Like, objectively, if you're a third person overseeing this exchange between two strangers and someone's opening up about their entire life story and the fact that they have herpes to that complete stranger, whereas this person has loved ones surrounding them, people that they tell literally anything else to, like you you begin to question that. You're like, well, why did I just tell this stranger that? Why wasn't I able to tell my best friend? And in a lot of cases, you'll find out that your best friend, quote unquote, isn't really your best friend, or you may come to find that the reason you feel safer with a stranger is because you're tapping into your truest self, that part of you that you've been 
repressing or denying and then you finally get a chance to connect with someone that you don't have to repress and deny anymore like that expression with another person that exchange makes you feel just so free and then you begin to want to live in that space so you and I have had talks before and you've had this conversation with other people. You're you're an advocate for sexual health awareness at this point with as many conversations as you've had. Do you find that talking about it makes it easier to navigate? Absolutely, yeah. Talking about it helps. I mean, that, that's what I've had to do the most of, you know. And, and what you were touching on, like, it's amazing what you were saying about talking to a stranger versus talking to someone that, you know, that's in your circle or a, a family member. I feel like I needed to be as aware as possible. So when you talk to a stranger, they don't know you. They know nothing about you. There's nothing more real and genuine and authentic than the words that they say when you have that conversation. I value that. And I, I mean, I've had so many conversations about herpes, so many disclosures. You know, I've never received with anything negative, which is super, which is great. But yeah, it gets easier, you know? The more yeah. you talk about it, the easier it gets. We don't expect to be met with love. We don't expect to be met with support, empathy, or even being met with someone saying, oh yeah, I have herpes too. I know what you're going through. When you're able to challenge that belief that you have that you're going to be judged, ostracized from your community, and just lose all sense of safety in the circle that you run in, it's really easy to just overlook any other outcome other than the one that you believe you're going to get you got a question like why do i think that that's the response i'm going to get from loved ones from people i spend the most of my time with from the people that i have this rapport with that i've built relationships with that's really important to do and you know if nothing else be able to take that from here to be able to just question shit question what you think question what you believe and then challenge that with the behavior before when we talked you mentioned that there was something helpful for you when you went to go and see a virologist yeah the, yeah, the virologist uh, or infectious disease patients. i don't talk to a lot of men on here and by default men tend to be more logical whereas a lot of the women that i connect with they tend to look for more emotional support whereas the guys that i speak with behind the scenes they're looking for the numbers they want the statistics they want to know uh, a lot of the logical stuff so you actually sought out a virologist what did that do for you it gave me a lot of relief i didn't do this i had wish i had done it four years you know before i had actually done it and it was just an experience where the person that i was speaking to knew everything about herpes they knew everything about other viruses and of course, the statistics, it was great. I mean, she remembered tests and numbers and the results from survey, you know, like, you know, we, we had, we studied a group of 60 people and out of those 60 people, X number of those people reacted this way or reacted that way. I mean, she just gave me so much information. And I mean, she even went into dating. She gave me everything I needed. And then some, it was a great experience. She was just very informed versus all the other doctors and all the other experiences that I had. She just knew her shit. I think that that's another important step to take here is to educate yourself. So while you went to the lens of finding a virologist, like educating yourself can just mean looking at some of the credible, reputable resources that are available online. Um, not to say that you should get everything off of Wikipedia and Instagram and take it for the absolute truth, but there are plenty of people who've been in this space in particular for a while now. You've got Janelle from the STD Project. You've got Emily DePaz. You've got... 
Laureen HD's YouTube channel. You've got this podcast you're listening to, which if you're on here, you know that all of these people have been on the podcast, and you can go back and check out those episodes. But there are so many resources available that are reputable and credible who have been in this space for a while, and they can share their experiences, or they have resources available for you already. Go and check them out. We don't have very many male-driven resources. There are a few people who are open about their uh, herpes status that talk about it, that just share their experiences. And it's very rare that we get the male experience. So uh, one of the questions that I get often from ladies is, how do men disclose? You want to share with us any tips that you may have or what's worked for you in the past, John? Sure. I I would say, I was disclosing and stuff like that, because whenever there was a girl that I was dating, there was always that anxiety the disclosure, like, I'm going to have to disclose, I'm eventually going to have to. But then that anxiety is a little bit premature because a lot of times that person may not even be right for you as far as chemistry and compatibility. So what I would do is I would write down what I was going to say and then I would just, like, stuff it in a journal or something like that. If this were a situation where I was telling someone or I was disclosing to someone, I might say something like, you know, I hope that we can be honest and open with each other and I just want to be transparent. Because I appreciate where things are headed with us, you know, I just feel like it's important for me to share with you that, you know, when I was 25, I had a genital outbreak, and I was diagnosed with genital herpes type 1. You know, it's an extremely common condition, it's easily manageable, and I'm just letting you know because even though I know it's harmless, I care about you and I just want you to be informed. And then, you know, ask me any questions you have. That's essentially what I would say. After that, we go into a conversation about it, I'm sure, and and we'll see what happens after that. Vulnerability is a panty dropper slash skirt lifter or pant dropper. I know a lot of y'all don't be wearing drawers all the time, so <laughs> I like that. And just to follow up with that, like I think it's important to whenever you're disclosing, no matter who you are, who you're disclosing to, it's important you have next steps for the other person because put yourself in their shoes. Imagine this is the first time you're hearing about herpes. So when you were told by your doctor that you had genital herpes, and they didn't give you any follow-up at all, that's how they feel. So you're leaving that person with nothing except for what they've heard about herpes in the past, which is often jokes in the media, how gross or disgusting or nasty it is. They just immediately link to stigma and STD. And nobody wants to get an STD. I mean, unless you're disclosed to by somebody you really like and you're willing to accept that risk. But other than that, like nobody wants it. So you have to be clear about what it means for you, what it means for them. You have to let them know what precautions can be taken. Because if someone told me, hey, I have herpes, and then there were just crickets in the background, I mean, I'd be like, yeah, I don't want that. Because all I'm hearing is if we have sex, I'll get herpes. So keep that in mind whenever you're disclosing moving forward with people. I got feedback from others that one of the things that they like, I mentioned this in the past episode, is to say that I want to give you the choice that wasn't given to me. So to me, what it comes off as is it's a way of saying like this came from me just not being informed previously. So I'm arming you with the information. I'm arming you with the ability to make the choice if you want to move forward. And just please, whatever you do, don't leave that part out about what the next steps are. Last thing, you want to be mindful that the other person still has not disclosed their STI status. You're doing all this, being vulnerable and sharing what you've been through. And all of the burden shouldn't have to just be on us, but unfortunately it is. So be mindful that while you're disclosing your STI status, you're also creating 
creating space for that person to share their own. And sometimes people just need a little bit of a nudge in the right direction. So after you say all of that, you might want to ask, okay, well, when's the last time you've been tested? How's your testing routine? Do you go in between partners? Do you go every other month, three months, six months? How often do you go? And this also gives you a way to sort of assess the risks of that partner because you get an understanding of how informed they are about sexual health, what their practices are, their honesty, and you can kind of see it in a person's face. Like if they're overwhelmed by the fact that you're asking these kinds of questions, it just means that they could be uncomfortable with it or shit. They could be excited and be like, yes, I love that we're having this conversation. And that jump starts the conversations about negotiations for the sexual encounter that y'all about to have. I'm gonna get off my soapbox now and <laughs> let John finish his podcast episode before I keep taking it over. The disclosure piece is important. A lot of women want a man's input on having herpes because with all of these episodes, there are a hundred and by the time this comes out, there will be a hundred and five something positive for positive people episodes. I will say there have been three men who have talked about their experience with herpes. Myself, um, it'll be the self acceptance episode with Sean and Aaron. I think the one with Aaron, right? There's four. Um, And we all have different stories. We all have unique perspectives. And Aaron and I already spoke about why we think men don't share. But I want to know, like, what pulled you to wanting to come on here and share your experience? I never looked at it from a gender perspective. I just looked at it from, well, not enough people talk about this subject, and they need to. And that's what we need to do, you know. So someone's got to do it. So, I mean, that's... It needs to be talked about more. I mean, I just, I don't think it is. And so unless more people come forward with the diagnosis, you know, if more men do it, if some if some men do it, then some more men will do it. And then hopefully even more men will do it. I don't know. I just, it's not such a gender thing. It's just something I felt like I needed to do. So really it was out of a sense of duty. I think that the masculine in general just really needs to step up. Like there is an absence of the masculine energy on this podcast from a quantitative standpoint. And while, you know, I'm the host of the something positive for positive people podcast, like my experience is only so narrow and not representative of more men who have stories who just uh, maybe we aren't good storytellers i don't know but we need more men on this podcast we need more male identifying folks we need the experiences of everybody this is an intentionally inclusive hub of sex positive resources and the majority of the guests that we've had on have been queer identifying bisexual lately um and straight white women (laughs) and um we need more diversity we need more of that inclusivity that i preach so much about i keep doing this thing where i take over and i'm like here's i'm gonna add to what john said what's something you wished that you had when you were diagnosed that wasn't available to you right at that moment a great medical perspective support groups that were actually supportive yeah just those two things i mean i never really had a good experience with a medical professional i was lacking that and then and then there weren't people that you could speak to there wasn't anybody that you could connect with whatever websites there were were just purely negative they were just and people were just venting and i mean it just wasn't helpful so those two things support groups and a good medical you know perspective experience 
yeah. If you need to connect to a support group, if you need to connect to a medical perspective, please go and visit www.spfpp.org, submit the inquiry form, and I will connect you to whatever it is that you feel like you need and um, be able to get the ball rolling on there. Everybody's healing process looks a little bit different, and the more perspectives that we're able to get on this podcast, the more people we're likely to be able to help because these perspectives connect with various people on various levels, and it's about community. Like That's what we have here. We are connected here through an unfortunate event that happened to us, and it just happened to bring us together. So... Let's embrace that shit. (laughs) You know, it's not going anywhere, so all we can do is make the most of it. I'm pumped about this community. I'm pumped about the people I'm meeting. I'm pumped about John hopping on here and sharing his experience. This is fucking great. This is a time to be alive. Like, herpes stigma is, to me, so close to being just gone, like neutralized, because it's not cool to make fun of people who have an STI. It's not cool to make fun of people who have herpes because you don't know what the fuck else these people are also going through. Making fun of a person with herpes is like making fun of a person who has a mental disability. Oh, by the way, herpes stigma affects our mental uh, and emotional health. So why is it that we continue to allow for people to make these jokes publicly and like I've been on a mission for a while now to comment on this shit whenever I see it and engage people and be like hey did you not know that by doing this you're making someone want to kill themselves the feedback I'm getting from that kind of stuff is just it works I know that it works If we can just get more people to begin to advocate for themselves, and I don't mean on the level of shouting from the rooftop you have herpes or putting uh, in your headline on your social media that you're HSV positive. I just mean being at a place where you feel that sense of duty for yourself, where you can begin to advocate for yourself, be self-aware of the fact that you have herpes and it's not going to control your life. It is something that happened to you. It doesn't have to be your story. You have now a responsibility to disclose, but with that, you have this superpower of a filter for friends and partners, and you just tend to have a little different view of things after dealing with the adversity that you face internally as a result of your herpes diagnosis, and that's it. All right, John, I did it again. <laughs> I know, bro. I wasn't okay. <laughs> uh, This conversation, though, this exchange, it wouldn't have happened without your presence. Thank you for joining this podcast and hopping on here, sharing some male perspective and giving us some of that practical shit that we can do. We don't have a lot of practical, here's what you can do, here's what you should do. And to hear it from the masculine perspective, I think that's going to have a huge impact itself. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wanted to leave us all with? thing I would say is um, just take responsibility of your physical and mental health and make sure you don't neglect or suppress any any emotional affliction you have arising from your diagnosis or STI stigma and, and you know just don't forego an opportunity to be to be vulnerable that's what I would that's what I would say so yeah that concludes this episode of something positive for positive people I can be found at spfpp.org And by now, you probably know where I am on social media. If you're not afraid of people finding out that you're connected with that dude who has herpes and talks about it publicly on the podcast, then please follow me. I am at H on my chest. Till next time.
stay sex positive.